can be seated in the house tonight. First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. like the sound of pages turning. I'm not opposed to your phony Bible, but I, <laughs> I use my phony Bible all the time. I used it just earlier, but there's nothing like having the book in your hand. <laughs> yeah. First Peter chapter 4. We'll stay in the, a very similar vein of what we were in this morning. I was, I'm not sure what the word is. I was uh, encouraged that I turned to hear Pastor Tim Delina this afternoon. He preached along that same line. And I turned to, pre to North Carolina and listened to Pastor Lauren Livingston. He preached along that same line. And I turned just down the road in North Carolina to Raleigh to Pastor Bishop Patrick Wooden. He preached along the same line. And, and uh, that tells me that the Spirit of God has something to say to His church. I'm going to just begin reading it in, here in just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. We'll probably read most of the chapter. But if, although we'll be a, in a lot of the same vein tonight, I, I really, the emphasis tonight I want to hear that is as a defense of the preacher, not me, the, the preacher. It was God's chosen method to use the preacher. <laughs> if there's something, I'm a, I, we should be in a season of restoration and repentance. What are we, part of repentance, let me say it this way. Part of repentance, repentance is to turn. In this case, it would be bad to turn back. When you repent, you turn back to the ways of God. And there, there has to be a repentance in the church and one of the things that we, have, we need and are, and are needing to repent of is, is really the loss of the preacher. You say, well, I thought there's preachers in every pulpit. Not really. Not really. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of uh, teachers. And there's a place for teaching. That's a, in fact, that's five-fold ministry. But the method... I mean, have you ever heard us say, oh, uh, uh, the mission, the, uh, what, what did they used to say? It was dumb. So it was so dumb that I can't hardly even pull it up anymore. But it was everywhere, still everywhere. It's, we, don't, we don't change. The message doesn't change. It's the method. Uh-uh. The method is ordained in the Word of God. It's, it's still the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. If you don't believe that the method matters, ask Uzzah. You remember him? He was, they were bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. David had sent for the ark. And you know, the, the, when the ark was given, it was told that it was, that it was to be, had stays that, were, that, were, that went through rings on the side of the ark. And when it was moved and transported, it was to be, the stays were to be put through the sides of the ark. And the, and the ark was to be borne on the shoulders of the priest. That's what God said. That's how you move it. Uh, in other words, you honor the presence of the Lord. 
Because the ark was where the presence of the Lord dwelled between the, over the mercy seat between the wings of the cherubim. You honor the presence of the Lord even when you're transporting. But the time they were trying, but, and, and, and all of their, their good intentions, good intentions, the intentions is not it. Good intentions. I know what I was taught about good intentions. What were you taught about good intentions? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> and all of their good intentions, they built a, the Bible called it a new cart. And placed the ark for expedience on, on a new cart. And it all went well until they came to the threshing floor. That's, you know what? That's how it always is. Let me tell you something. <laughs> You can do it your own way for a while and think you're making it all right, but at some, at some point you're going to come to the threshing floor. <laughs> Always. That's where the wheat is separated from the chaff. When they got to the threshing floor, the ox stumbled and the, and the, and the ark tottered. And Uzzah just reached up to stabilize the ark and the Bible says that the anger of God was kindled right then. And he struck Uzzah dead. You know why? The method mattered. That's why you couldn't haul God around casually for your convenience and expedience. He has a way to honor his presence. He still, there's still a method that's biblical and it is preaching. Still the preacher. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Look at what Peter is saying. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of it. Now listen, I just can't believe how Peter talked. For we have spent enough of our past life doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. There's some people that need to tell, there's some people in the pulpits and in the ministry that need to be told instead of entertaining everything that the world does and calling yourself a church and saying, you know, I can drink a little of this and do, I got some freedom here. The, Peter said, you've done it enough in the world. You've done it enough. That your drinking parties and your revelry. And in case anybody wanted to wonder, it's in there. It's in there. If you got a pastor, and I'll just go ahead and say it before I even got started. If you got a pastor that says it's okay to drink a little, you need to find another church. Period. End of story. Well, I don't know, preacher. You're going to be one of those. You better know it. Because I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that good that comes out of it. There's no, I, don't, I know that John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes but to steal and kill and destroy. That's one thing I know. It's his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can tell you one another thing I know. I don't know anything that's ever killed more, stolen more, or destroyed more than alcohol. I don't know of anything else ever. Period. End of story. I don't know anything else that has ever stolen more, killed more, or destroyed more. You can say amen or owe me. <laughs> Oh, it's not as a, when I hear people making those arguments, I hear somebody just looking for an excuse because they want to drink. <laughs> I didn't mean to say all that, but you know, it's the foolishness of preaching. <laughs> it says, it says you've spent enough time in our past life. What's that mean in your past life? Before you were saved. Before you were saved, you spent enough time in all that junk. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That's not Peter, but it fits right there. <laughs> in your past life, 
in doing the will of the Gentiles. We walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In regard to, to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. Now what's it saying? Read it again. Who's the they? In regard, they think it's strange that you do not run with them. That's your old buddies. That's the old crowd you used to, they, that you used to run around with. Come on. They think, how many remember when you got, how many of you got saved as, as an adult or, or, or in your late teens or whatever, and you remember when they, whenever you became something else and they didn't understand? They probably said things like, oh, give him a week. Then, they, then you didn't come back. Now they think you're crazy. It's in there. They think it's strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation. That you're not in the flood of filth that they're in. It's amazing that people, when they're in a flood of filth, they want somebody to be in it with them. You ever notice that? Somebody, somebody's going to run into trouble, they want trouble to go with them. They want a partner in crime. And then when you don't, they start speaking evil of you. That's scripture. They will give an account to him, him, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, oh, for this reason, the gospel was preached. Also to those who are dead. Is it it talking about the corpses at the funeral home? No, it's talking about those that are dead in their sin and in their trespasses. For this reason, the gospel is preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to the judge, or, but live according to, uh, to God in the spirit. Let me read it again. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. That's okay. God wants you in a position where men are judging you in the flesh. For this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the spirit. You know what? I don't think you can have both. I don't think you can have both. Oh, where'd y'all go? There. Peter just drew a line. Why? But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of a manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Boy, you can preach on that a while. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. But if, but if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. <coughs> that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and forever. Amen. Now, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which try you. 
as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody, or as a busybody, or as a busybody, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Can you believe he put that in there five times? I, I, read, I must have read with a stutter because I couldn't get off of it. Or, if any of you suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be to those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as the faithful creator. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would open it to us tonight. That the sword of the, of the word of God would lay us bare. That we are bettered. That we are closer to you. Lord, that we are equipped for what you've called us to do. And Lord, that we understand again, afresh and anew, who we are and who you are. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter 4 is, draws clear lines that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you leave behind what you used to be. And we're called to preach it. Hear me, church, we're called to preach it. Did you hear me say we are called to preach it? God, the Holy Spirit is, is, is drawing the lines, so to speak, in the sand today. Not just at MAG, all over the world. It's in the Word eternally already. It was already there. But it's a time when you pray for... I would remind you, most of you are Sunday night people. How many times have you heard us pray that, God, that, you, that they would either repent or be exposed? And God's doing that, has been doing that. Not in the, in, in the ministry world, but even at MAG. Let me tell you, exposure of this type begins to feel, and it not only feels like it is a fiery trial. I, I don't know if you understand it, and, and maybe that's why we continue to preach it and, and break down the word, is don't, don't, don't think it's strange that these things draw lines between people that it divides. 
I talked to you about a paradox this, this morning, the paradox that is the gospel, the paradox that is because we're torn, but we live between the, world, between the human flesh and the spiritual realm, that we're in this world, but Paul said that we're citizens of another country, and that we're, not, we're not comfortable here. Let me, let me get in that vein just a moment, because I know one of the problems and one of the reasons even the preacher has went away is because the preacher makes it uncomfortable. And I got news for you. It's uncomfortable for you, but it's uncomfortable for the preacher as well. Because, see, it's, 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 it pulls from the, you're into this fleshy world. It pulls the spiritual things of God, and they're not comfortable together. And we started settling for just teaching. Now, people come in in the middle of this, they're going to think that the, 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 the guy's against teachers. Now, how many of you, I've been here almost five years. And I think most of you would know by now that somewhere in me, a lot of me is a teacher at heart. A, a pastor, a preacher, better be able to teach. But te teaching is information. And information's needed. Teaching is information. Preaching is proclamation. And this gospel shall be preached. It shall be proclaimed. It's the mandate. That, that is the mandate. Go ye on all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew 24, when it talked about all the things that were coming on this world in this time, and Peter just said that the, the end of all things is at hand. And what the last thing that Jesus said in that dissertation, Matthew 24 and 25, when all the things he says, but this gospel shall be preached. Preaching, the preacher will... If you're on the front row, you know. The preacher will get in your face and spit on you. <laughs> the preacher just comes out and proclaims it and lets the chips fall where it may. The preaching of the Word confronts the sinner. It confronts the saint. It, is a, it, is a, it puts it in your face. And causes you to have to accept it or reject it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he talked about, he said, I thank God that it is by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. Paul wrote to the Roman church. In Romans chapter 10, he began to say things, how, how can they believe in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear unless one is sent? And how will they hear what? Without a preacher. <laughs> it's by the foolishness preaching. For 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, we preach Christ crucified what do we do we preach Christ crucified so to the Jew it's a stumbling block to the Gentile it's foolishness but to those of us who are being saved it is the power of God <laughs> think about it the preaching preaching Christ crucified The preacher punches you in the nose and you have to deal with it. You have to make a decision. You can teach on something all day long. You can Jeff, you can teach on something all day long and people will have information. Do we need information? Do we need people that can break down the word and teach the word? Obviously. But we can, you can have all the, you can know, you can memorize that book. 
from front to back and still not knowing. You can, you can teach it until people know the intricacies of the, of the Word of God and they still know nothing of the Spirit of God or what He will do in your life. Why? Because the flesh must first be confronted. The carnal mind must first be dealt with. And that comes through the preached word. Are you hearing me? You could know what it says and not know what it means. You can be taught what it means and still not know what it says. Because you have to have the preacher and the teacher together. And the church today. See, we've come to the place. If we didn't think it mattered. I don't even know why I'm teaching this tonight. And spitting on people and preaching every once in a while. I don't know why. But here's one thing I do know. That for years I was called crazy. I'm still called crazy. Called controversial. I'm still called controversial. I'll tell you. And I don't mind telling you again what makes JR controversial. Because I don't go looking for trouble with preachers or anybody else. I mostly just assume pastor this church and play with my grandbabies and go eat something good for dinner. That's mostly what I would like to do. But when you sell out to the truth, you will become controversial. And Jeff, you will become confrontational. Brother Wooden today, anybody ever listen to Brother Wooden out in Raleigh? He, he made me laugh. <laughs> well, he slapped us with it, but it still made me laugh when he slapped us with us. <laughs> because I've, I've seen so much of it lately. Can I, I posted it on Facebook so I won't forget it. <laughs> he said, He said, Preachers that say nothing about things that matter. The Bible speaks of them. He said they're called dumb dogs. He said not stupid, just mute. He said, but what good is a watchdog that won't bark? <laughs> I've been rebuked. Not the first time. I've been rebuked the last few weeks just for being a preacher by preachers. So called. Don't, don't say anything about this. Don't say, well, who in the world? First of all, who in the world died and made you God? Go pastor your church and leave me alone. You pastor yours, I'll pastor mine. How's that? But in the meantime, if you're going to post it on social media for everybody, social, by the way, social media is called social media for a reason, it's interactive. Have you, I'm always amazed by the people that want to throw some bomb out there and then want, to, then want to set their hair on fire because somebody responded to it. If I got something to say I don't want you to respond to, I just turn the comments off. <laughs> but no, really. They don't want to confront anything. Or address anything and don't want you to. Unless they want to address you. I'm seeing people. I'm just going to sit down a minute. Because I'm seeing way too often. The only people that some people want to rebuke are the people that rebuke and the people that are in error. And that are propagating lies. They want to say, leave them alone while all at the same time trying to shut you down. And I want to say, well, isn't this interesting? I guess it just needs to be said. I, I, don't, I don't have any other reason for me preaching this tonight. Because I started watching all this stuff years ago. If you brought it up, when things began to change, or when I began to notice it, I guess I should say, when I began to notice it, when we stopped preaching and we started having conversations, when, we started, when I started seeing churches that were, 
in between pastures that they were looking for a great communicator. I thought, well, Bill Clinton qualifies for this church. Or Barack or well, Ronald Reagan's dead, but I mean, his, one of his monikers was what? The great communicator. They, they, I said, Darren, that's what they put on there. When they, 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 they didn't say anything about their spiritual condition. They're looking for a, a great communicator. Well, I, I, you ought to be able to communicate if, if you're going to proclaim God's word. But what happened to wanting a preacher? Then we went to, now some of these things people are going to get mad at me because I got, I got to tell you, I'll just tell you up front, I don't, I don't care if you have a 400 pound piece of oak to preach behind or a, Brother Branco would say we got lost our problem when we started going to music stands instead of pulpits. <laughs> he wasn't far from wrong. I don't care. I don't care what color your carpet is or what kind of light you have or if you've got a, that thing right there, let it fall on you if you think it's a music stand. It'll kill you. I don't care about that. But the, the, when all that stuff began to slide a different way, the ministry started sliding with it. And we, we, about, the, about the time we went to, to little round coffee tables <laughs> and started having conversations instead of proclaiming the word. When it became more important that we had a slick PowerPoint than if we had the power. Peter said, at the end of Think It Not Strange. Think It Not Strange. He went into the judgment must begin in the house of God. Us first. But we're in a time where any correction any reproof, any rebuke is met with opposition from the house of God. Instead of repentance, it's offense. Instead of, instead of running back and redigging the old wells. That's what that's so why they go redig the old wells. So they went back and redug the old wells and called them by their names. I've heard some of the weirdest junk lately. I, I, I've got, when I'm hearing some of our bright, best and brightest, they, they start talking and they start communicating, and they're communicating so, so lofty that I don't even know what they're talking about. I thought, what's that mean? Weird language that the Bible doesn't use. You know what it is? It's, it's some, of, some of that non-offensive. You know what it really is? It's a worldly church. Well, that's a, you're talking about an old-fashioned term. When's the last time you heard anybody say worldly? Worldly church. I think it was R.W. Schembach once upon a time. He says, I'm not sure if the problem is that the world's got churchy or the church has got worldly. I, I, don't, I can't make up my mind. I think he said alone that the church has gotten worldly. When we start abandoning plain language for things that comforts people in their sin. Even then that we, 
We call them seekers now when the Bible calls them sinners. Seeker friendly. I don't find anything in this word that says the church was to be seeker friendly. I don't find it. I don't even find out this is going to really blow you. I don't find anywhere in this church, in this word where it says the church was for a sinner. Oh, now I got to teach a second. That the church, the, the, the church, A, is the body of Christ. That's the believers. B, the gathering, the assembly of believers is for the edification and the teaching and the, and, and the building up and, and the equipping of the saints. And, you know, you have people that do come in and when the, week, and the word is preached in power and the Holy Spirit is in the room, they tend to get saved. But really, the, the, the gathering of believers is, is certain, we're, not, we're certainly not called to gear our services towards the world and the sinner. Can I ask a question? Maybe, I don't know who, who maybe it's about Mag, maybe it's about somebody, maybe it's about one person, maybe it's about all of us that need to think. But can I ask a question? When we started, when we went to designing services to, for people's comfort and their likes, what we began to say is you save sinners with the world. Oh, yeah, I don't think you're understanding. Oh, Pastor, it's just the method. We're just changing the method. We're, we're becoming attractional. I don't find anywhere where the word says to be attractional. I think it says that the gospel is offensive. Stumbling block. Stumble. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To, to the Gentile foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved, what is it? The power of God how then can they hear let me read it go to Romans 10 Let's read Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. Can we do that? But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich to all who call on him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul has already told you that the word of, the, of, of faith is, in your mouth, is, is near you, even in your mouth. He's already told you how it came. It came, by, it came by the word of faith which we preach. He's already told you how. But in case you didn't get it, he says, How then shall they call on him? Now let me tell you who the they are. The they is the people who, have, who ha, are, are not born again. The they are the people that are lost. The they are the people who, who have, have never heard and have never believed. They, you know what? There's people that can hear about Jesus, but they've never heard the gospel. There are people that have heard the gospel, but they were tuned out, not there. <coughs> <coughs> The word, the, the spirit, of, they rejected the spirit of God or, or, or whatever the case would be. And they, 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 they heard the words, but they didn't hear the gospel. 
How then? This, is, this would be the question of the century to the church. How then? To everybody that wants to communicate. To everybody that wants to have a conversation. Or one of my very favorites is we're on a journey. Every time I hear a preacher talking about people on a journey, you know what I want to do? I'm going to go, it's nauseating. Now let me help you with something. It's okay to be on a journey to God, but let me tell you something, preacher. If you got them on a journey and you've got, you're going to take years about taking, walking them on this journey, if they die on their journey, they're going to die without God and go to hell. Preach the word. You're not a tour guide, you're a preacher. You're, 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 not, you're not working for an amusement park. You're called by the living God to proclaim his word. If you're not going to preach, sit down. If you're not going to say that this is the way, walk you in it, go home. Because how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him? Think about the day. Boy, the more, I, the more I read this book, the more I preach this book, the more I learn how, much, how important the pronouns are. I'm glad the world has brought it to our attention that pronouns can be important. Oh, it makes me want to be a smart aleck. Can I be a smart aleck just a second? There's all these little anti-Semitic bigots running around. Do you notice that? Have you noticed that? I don't know sometimes whether to be amused, confused, or, or intercede. But I saw LGBT for Hamas. No kidding. LGBTQ for Hamas, marching in the streets with their banners. You say, what's so funny about that? Let me tell you what was so funny about that. Go over it and with your, with your LGBTQ to the Gaza Strip and march with it and your pronouns will be was and were. Yeah. <laughs> your pronouns are going to become adjectives or adverbs. Was and were. Dumb. Uh, I'm tw- three, twice tonight. I'm going to twice tonight. We pray, we can quote Don Brinkle. You know what's coming. Dummy, dummy, dummy. How then shall they call on him who have not believed? Yes, Romans 10 is specifically to the Jewish rejection of their Messiah and the gospel. But Romans 10 is to the world because all scripture is, is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine. How then, how should they believe in whom they not heard? How should they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? For as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. For those who bring glad glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed our report. Listen. To the context of something that's very familiar then. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Let me go back to where we started. It says, the word of faith is near thee, even in thy mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. So then, faith comes by hearing 
hearing and hearing by the Word of God. People get saved when the Word is preached. Faith arises in people's heart when the Word is preached. How do people get saved? By hearing, by hearing, by hearing the Word heralded, by hearing the Word proclaimed. It's the Word. Where is the Word of faith? How is it near you? It is in thy mouth. got to speak it preach the word what was the answer remember in second timothy chapter three when paul talks about in the last days perilous times to come and talks about how the world's going to be that men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god that they'll be that they'll be rebellious and idolatrous and all those things that it was and so they're going to have they're going to heap up Scott, it says that they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, I hope that somebody don't hear me being against the teacher tonight because the teacher's part of the fivefold ministry. But what does it say that, this, that, that people being deceived? I, it, never even, it literally never crossed my mind to write, they shall heap up for themselves teachers. Not preachers, teachers having itching ears. It says they'll heap up for themselves teachers. But, uh, but amazingly, Mark, verse chapter 4 says, what's the answer for this? He says, he says, he says, I present, by, he said, I am begging you by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Y'all ain't hearing it. He said they heaped up for themselves teachers having itching ears. And then, in other words, I'm not even going to listen to a teacher that doesn't scratch what I already think. The word of faith is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Through this word of faith that we preach, how shall they believe? When they've never heard. How shall they hear? Except one preaches. How will, they, how will he preach? Unless he's sent. For faith. That's saving faith. Comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Preached. I don't think it hurts the word any at all. To say hearing comes by the word of God preached. Why? Because the context of the whole passage is the preached word. Deception falls on the land. And Paul tells the problem how it came and how we got there. I charge you. That's the word I was looking for. Well, that's, that's strong. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, at his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Convince, exhort, rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. Convince. Convince. That you can't live that way. Convince. That you can't die. Without a savior. Convince. That your way is not going to cut it. Convince. That takes a preacher. Exhort. I encourage you. That you can do it. I encourage you that you can make it. I can encourage you that, that he will come and he will help you. I, I, will, I exhort you that, that, if, that if you will give him all you've got, that no matter what comes your way, you can make it. Rebuke. There ain't no room for that in the church. We have came to the place 
that all we have room for in the church today is for people to live, leave feeling good. If the word's not preached, if there's not a convincing Jeff, if there's not a rebuke Matt, then people will be exhorted in their sin and leave the way they came. Y'all, can they, y'all are with me now. Now I'm just going to remind you of something. Go you into all the world. I have to take go ye. I have to take the commission out of the out of King James because if you don't, if you leave it in the King James, you don't realize he's talking to you. You know what Brother Maddox always says? He's heard me say it every time. He stole that from Dull Jones in case you wondered. Go ye is not a Chinese missionary. Go ye into all the world. No, you go into all the world. And what? Preach the gospel. To every, oh. Maybe they were with me until they realized that they were the preacher. <laughs> it may free up some space on your friends list. But we'll populate heaven. You'll be misunderstood. Falsely accused, lied on, doesn't that make you want to answer the call? <laughs> but you'll be in fellowship with God. And you'll be laying up treasures in heaven where it can't be touched by the enemy's plunder. Oh, it makes me want to go somewhere else, but we're just going to pray. It's time to pray. And it is time to pray. We don't understand. It is so lost on us because we think about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And I'm telling you, when you got saved, it was the first peace you ever had in your life because the Prince of Peace came into your life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, but it's not fulfilled and all here and he's came to bring peace to your life and he, he is the prince of peace but there will not be peace on this earth until the prince of peace comes again and rules with the rod of iron that's when there'll be in the meantime he says Jesus remember that paradox the prince of peace he says Jesus himself said I didn't come to bring peace Oh, there's that contradiction in the word. No, his first advent introduced the Prince of Peace to the world, but the Prince of Peace didn't come in, as a baby to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. He said, I will be the divider. Because the church is crying unity. Have y'all heard that cry? There is a cry for unity, but I can tell you the only thing you can unite around, you can't unite around error. You can't unite around heresy. You can't, you can't unite around bad teaching. You can't unite, you can only unite around truth. That's the only place unity can come. And otherwise, the truth of God's word, which is Jesus Christ, will divide. It will divide. Start proclaiming truth and find out. Well, I don't, I, I don't want division. You can't have it both ways. If you preach Christ crucified, Jeff, it's going to divide. But it's going to save.
I can't go into it all tonight, but Jesus, Jesus said radical things. Like, if you don't love me, he said, you'll be hated just like I am because of me. Nobody likes to be hated. So I can't do that. My, my husband will have me. Or I can't do that. My kids won't come over. He said, he said, if you don't love me more than you love your family, your mother, your daughter, your son, your daughter, if you don't love me more than you love them, you're not even worthy of me. Ooh. Well, that's a tough one for us today. I know, way, I know way too many preachers that's compromising the Word of God to keep their kids happy. And let me tell you something, when that happens, everybody loses. Everybody loses. Think it not strange. Listen to what Peter says. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. And he goes on to say the strange thing for the believer would be not to have them. The truth is coming back to the church. It's what's happening. When we see big name after big name, well-known after well-known, exposed in their garbage. And by the way, I, the only people that's being exposed to are the people that wouldn't pay attention. Do you know that? Boy, I could talk about that a minute, but I ain't going to. Think it not strange, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. For when his glory is revealed, you will also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached for the name of, of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of God rests upon you. You say, well, that's Paul. Let me read one more place, and then we're going to pray. Greatest sermon ever preached. You know it's in there. Greatest sermon ever preached. It's in Matthew chapter 5. You know it as the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus speaking. It's all in there. Man, he says it all. Chapter 5, verse 10. You heard what Peter just said, said. But Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's so counterintuitive. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing than to be trampled underfoot. The believer who's not salty isn't good for much. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Preacher, you're crazy. Maybe so. 
But all I know is what the book says. And day by day, I come to the point that nothing else matters. If this book says it, it's true. And it's right. And it's worth it.